Here we go. Hello. Welcome to Murder of Ages, friends. Oh, oh I thought you were going to keep going. <laughs> oh, oh, do you want me to? You want me to keep going? Yeah. What did I say? Friends. This is a true crime podcast from the Pacific Northwest. My name is Marcy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Karen. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> FNA, Karen, FNA. Oh, that was good. Happy Tuesday. It. Happy Tuesday. Oh, it's finally summer for us. Summer. Uh, oh, well. Oh, yeah. Uh, how's that In go? summer. I don't know. That's Some... the only part I remember. I don't remember. I know there's one part where it's like, I'm going to be a big puddle or something like that. And oh, and it's like supposed a, to be like a cuss word. Yeah, I think so. A cuss word would have rhymed with it or something like that. Yeah. It was pretty good, though. Pretty catchy. Yeah. Oh, those adult innuendos and children movies. I gotta love it. The best. Mm-hmm. Shrek is probably the best. Oh, so good. You would have never yeah. known. As a kid, uh-huh. I didn't. And then I watched it as an adult, and I was like, <laughs> what are my parents <laughs> laughing at? <laughs> Actually, I was probably in high school when that movie came out. Oh, really? When did that come out? It's got to be like 2004, 2003. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, 2001. So I would have been eighth grade, seventh grade. Man, so I would have been in elementary school. Yeah. So even as a seventh grader, I probably did not get those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what does that mean? Yeah. Oh, man. But you probably still laughed anyways. Yeah, one of those nervous, like, <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I got us uh, some... New candles from Magnolia from Waco, Smell. Texas. Smells so good. It smells so good. So you've got the Texas. Doesn't have anything to do with our podcast. No. But I'm drinking premium Northwest flatbed cider. It's actually pretty good. Hmm. Um, it's a cute can. Customer of my husband's is the founder, owner, owner brewer, whatever. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, so he gave us a little six pack oh pretty tasty that's nice you want to try kind of actually yeah go for it it's very refreshing pear mm, i yeah. do like pear cider i do like cider it's another one in the fridge pretty good so i went uh fishing father's day yes with my father oh and kids and my husband and we're and brother and my, yeah my brother was there and his his buddies big ears <laughs> <laughs> And I had a coffee on the way, which was stupid. Oh, did then, you have to poop? No, oh. pee. Oh. I had to pee so bad. So we get to where we're going to do the boat thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a little outhouse. I'm like, oh, okay, phew. I will just go potty in there. No shit. I walk in and it is floor to ceiling shit. Wall to wall shit. <gasps> Nothing in the toilet. <laughs> so I was like, I couldn't even, I couldn't breathe. I could, there was no way I was going to go to the bathroom. Ew. So I'm like, okay, I'll get in the boat, we'll go out there, and I'll just get in the water yeah. and pee in the water. That's fine. So we get out, we're fishing, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I go to get in the water, it's fucking freezing. Oh, no. It's so cold. Why didn't you just pop a squat somewhere oh. before? Well, because it it's all sagebrush and open, and there were people fishing. There really um. wasn't any, and there's rattlesnakes. <gasps> so if I go in the sagebrush to pee... I'm going to get a rattler up my cooch. 
Might that's why fun. I was going to go in the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the two hours later, I mean, that's all I'm thinking about is how am I going to pee. So finally, I'm like, I'm just going to pee off the end of the boat. I'm just going to do it. So I tell him I'm going to pee. Nobody look. I go into the boat, stick out my bare ass off the side, and I'm waiting for the pee to start. I start going, and it's one of those where it's like, it's never ending. It's just going. Oh, my God. 24 ounces of coffee. Going, going. I hear a boat. <gasps> yeah, I can hear it coming. I'm like, oh, my God, hurry up. Be done. Be done. And I'm still going. And I can hear the boat's getting closer. I'm still peeing. It's getting closer. And right as it comes around the bend, I'm done. I pull my oh, hands up. Oh, God. Like, oh, it was oh my so god. intense. Oh my god. Awful. Of course I peed all over my feet and like on the uh, boat. Eh. <laughs> barely made it in the That water. was my next question. <laughs> oh my god. It was awful. That's hilarious. I was waiting to tell you that story. Oh Too my good. god. I don't understand. I uh, it I don't wanna know, but I don't understand how people can poop on like walls and like not in a toilet like i don't understand uh, like did you was put so it in your hand in first i don't know, I don't know cause, oh, there were kid like kids there and but a travel trust i don't know still, if the kids did something oh i just don't the whole and when we we're getting the boat at the boat dock getting ready to jump on the boat there the whole little shore there area the whole area was all seaweed, just like nasty green seaweed, and there were kids swimming. Mm-hmm. And there were three boys on the shore, and they were burying each other with the seaweed. Oh, so disgusting! And they were staying like a travel trailer. I mean, there's not running water at this place. Oh. I doubt there's any way to shower. I just it's so gross. I don't like that type of stuff. I don't either. Yeah, J.C. and Marshall were staring at him and completely disgusted. <laughs> Good. Ooh, germs. Like, I don't mind camping. I think it's fine. But mm. when you have people like that who do gross stuff, <sighs> yeah. like, I uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's gross. That's so gross. I was glad when we got out of that little area. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> That sounds absolutely horrible. Other than that, was a pretty good weekend. Good. It was a lot of fun. Good. Caught some fishies. Did you eat them? Yeah. Not the ones we caught that day, but some my dad had caught another time. Oh, nice. So, yeah, they were pretty good. Good. Pan fried. Did you have a good weekend? I did. Yeah, we did Father's Day a little early for my stepdad, and my brother came over. And then Sunday, I had two finals due. And I already started them. Like, I had essentially, like, a rough draft. Oh, that's nice. But it's, like, you know, it's a final, so, like, I'm freaking out. I mean, I already have A's in the class, but still, like... And you were on the president's list. Yeah, I was. so I want to keep my A's. <laughs> so I spent eight hours <sighs> for both of them. And, yeah, like, it's... I don't know. Did you submit everything? All yeah. Done? Yeah, it's all done, but... Oh my god, it gave me a little panic attack because, I mean, I yes, I procrastinated finishing it, but at least I had, a, like, a good start to it. Yeah. But, I don't know. Hopefully it's okay. I'm sure you do great. I mean, how long do you get your results? Mm, hopefully this week I should get it because this is the last week of the term, and then next week I start a new term. It is. I also turned in 
I am working. I don't know if I talked about this before. On my 20th year of school. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. It's okay. Kids get it done while you're young. It's not fun going back as an adult. Um, but don't I see I, I have mixed views on that because I feel like if I were doing it right out of high school, which I did get my AA after high school, but then I thought I wanted to be a teacher and I do not want to be a teacher. So I had to totally switch degrees. Luckily, mm-hmm. psychology and teaching are pretty similar. But then I would have wasted thousands of dollars in loans or grants or whatever yeah that's true when I wouldn't even want to be a teacher yeah so I'm kind of glad it took me this long just because now I know exactly what I want to do that's true and it's also like more it's not easier but it's almost better because I do feel like I'm actually learning stuff and I take it seriously well I think I have noticed that, like, my essays and stuff like that, I feel like are better written now that I'm older and have more right. life experiences to put behind it. Yeah. Yes. But that could just be total bullshit. And, like, when you're in your early 20s, when you're, like, going to college, all you want to do is, like, go party and drink or whatever. So schoolwork doesn't really matter. Like, I was a big partier yeah. at that age. And I remember even at um getting my AA man I did not care like I I probably never had A's <laughs> like C's get degrees for me you know <laughs> I've never heard that would you just come up with that no you've good. never heard it C's get degrees <laughs> that was me but now I like it. I feel like as you know as an older adult you take more pride in it uh I agree right yeah. so I have mixed views on Going to college. Right I just after feel high like school. with a family, it just makes it so much harder. Yeah. Well, find that time. I don't have a family, so. Yeah. Good thing you're getting it done now. Yes. So we're called Murder of Ages because we fly across the whole spectrum of true crime through the galaxy, time, and space. Just <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest, though. <laughs> Pre 1985 is past. Post-1985 is the present. Oh, it might be a little different today, though, but who who knows? Might. I think I did a past one. Mine's so did you do like, a present one? Y- yes. Technically. <laughs> Maybe WTF. a couple of years before 85, <laughs> but whatever. So that's, that's all right. Mine's like a couple hundred years before 1985. Oh, see? See, we need some... Uh... Actually, I'm just kidding. It's not... Oh, we need some leeway because I think mine actually happens in 80, like, 4, so. Well, then you can't do it. Well, all right. I thought you were going to do that other one. Nope, I changed my mind. Oh, good, because I didn't like knowing what your story was going to be. Oh, my God. But we should cover that maybe together sometime. Eh. (laughs) Okay, I will. (laughs) Anyway. We can talk about the body parts found in the suitcase in Seattle, though. We should chat about that one. What? You know, you're the one that told me about the, the oh. TikTok teens found. Uh, um, I didn't tell you anything about TikTok. Yeah, didn't you see that? Mm-mm. So they were TikToking as they, um, they're like, oh, this case over here is so, so stinky. Let's open it. And they're opening it and the smell is raunchy. So they're like, oh, let's go get somebody. But yeah, they TikTok the whole thing. Oh, shit. Because they were using this app called like Randomatic or something 
where it will send you to random GPS coordinates, uh-huh. like get out and explore your life type of bullshit. And it sent them there to the beach, and that's where they found the suitcase that had washed ashore. And I guess they found more body parts as investigators did more of their investigating. So what Marcy is talking about is we were getting a milkshake. Oh, yours is still in the freezer, by the way. Oh, thank God. I haven't finished mine either. (laughs) Uh, And I saw this post on Facebook, and it says... There is a potential serial killer on the loose in Tacoma, Seattle area. Don't walk on trails alone. A woman was beaten with a hammer. So was that? Sorry to interrupt. Like always. I didn't see anything where that, they were linking that with the body parts found in the suitcase. I don't know. Well, it says, so a woman was beaten with a hammer and drug into the woods and multiple bags of remains were found wash up on Seattle beaches. So I'm just assuming that because this is just a random like person who was saying it, but everyone oh, was sharing it. Yeah. So I'm sure they were probably trying to link it together mm-hmm. um, because that right like isn't that weird that a woman got beaten? I think there's probably a lot of people that get beaten up though over there. I know. I, Crystal. Hi, Crystal, sweetie. <laughs> Hi, Crystal, sweetie. I was trying to be like because we watched really long in the Chocolate Factory and the um, Vibrant Beauregard when she's chewing her gum. And she's talking to the camera, and she says that, you know, she beat the record of her best friend. And she's like, hi, Cornelia, sweetie. Oh, I my see God. You. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Anyways, inside joke for myself. <laughs> <laughs> she sent me uh, or told me about a woman in somewhere over in Seattle. But she was found naked. She'd escaped from being handcuffed. Oh. And it was in some, like, small logging town. And so I found the article, and it, yeah, she, there's some guy she had hooked up with previously, and she went home with him, and yeah, he handcuffed her and beat her, and she, she escaped. It was like, like, that kind of shit happens all the time, See, I See, this is why, like, I absolutely hate dating, and I am terrified of dating, because you hear these stories, like, someone met on Tinder or Bumble, and all of a sudden, they're being raped and trying to get murdered, and... Well, you just have to make sure you're the one doing the raping. <laughs> God, you were so stupid. <laughs> That's horrible. Just kidding. Don't do that. Oh, no. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Tell- Karen's Tinder handle is? No. <laughs> I do not have Tinder, but thank you. I don't have any dating shit. Yeah, you have your mom. <sighs> Let's not she talk about out. mother trying to pimp me out. <laughs> All right, tell, tell, tell us a story, please. So I have pre, um, I'm doing a past one. My sources are only in your state, Murderpedia, and Wikipedia. The only thing I didn't like about this is it was it's from the early 1900s, and so each site kind of said something different mm. with dates. I just compiled it all into one. Perfect. Hit puree, and this is what came out. This is about... One of America's first female serial killers. And she's from Idaho. Uh-huh. Yeah. You ready to hear her name? Yes. It's me. <laughs> her name is Lida Anna May Trueblood. What? I know. Isn't that just the I want last that name? to be my last name. Trueblood. She was also known as Lady Bluebeard. 
Oh, Fly God. Paper Lida and Black Widow. Oh. I will explain why she's called Fly Paper Lida a little bit later. Okay. So don't go anywhere. Diamonds weren't her best friend. She kept a darker company. Arsenic. <laughs> From 1915 to 1920, she killed four husbands, a brother-in-law, and her daughter. Nice. She was born October 16, 1892, in Keatsville, Missouri, near Kansas City. Fast forward to March 17, 1912, she married Robert Dooley, and the couple settled on a ranch in Twin Falls, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Robert's brother, Ed, also lived on the ranch. A couple years later, 1914... Robert and Lida had a daughter named Lorraine. 1915, they take out a life insurance policy, or the brothers take out a life insurance policy on each other. So if one brother dies, the other inherits $1,000. Nice. Equivalent to $25,000 in today's money. Nice. Which really for life insurance isn't that much to, oh. to me. But anyways... Hey, money is grand. money to me. Yeah. So. It is to Lida, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then in August of 1915, Ed becomes seriously ill and dies. His cause of death is listed as food poisoning. Which dun, dun, dun. It must have been something he ate. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, I don't think food poisoning, it, there wasn't an investigation, so I mean, the chance of eating something rotten was a little bit higher. Excuse me, in 1915 than it is today. So then, Robert and Lyon are like, you know what? We need to get life insurance on each other for $2,000. Oh, so 50 Look Eight. at you, math whiz over oh there. God. I'm so smart. Well, unfortunately, in October, October 1st, Robert dies from typhoid fever. Quote, unquote, typhoid. Huh. A few months later, the daughter, Lorraine, unexpectedly becomes ill and dies at two years old. Two? 15 that's what and i had some sources so that must have been from a different so one source said she was an infant another one said she was three years old one said she was two years old Hmm. so yeah timeline's a little sketchy here just go with the flow karen okay don't worry about it i'm going lida said her daughter died from dirty well water like drinking it yes she got sick so yeah sick from dirty well water well, she could have drowned in the well. Yeah, she could have, but she didn't. <laughs> 1917, she meets William McAfee and convinces him to move to Montana. Some sources said she was living in Denver in this time, and then they went to Montana. Some say she never made it to Montana. I'm saying she went to Montana. Okay. She takes out a $5,000 life insurance policy on him. Okay, Rain Man. How much? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he suddenly comes down with COVID and passes away in 1918. What? You're not going to stop me? <laughs> no, he got the flu. Oh. <laughs> I, which I put basically... in COVID as a joke. So, yep, he passed away in 1918. <sighs> Unfortunately, William didn't keep up on the premiums and the policy had lapsed. So, all of Lida's hard work was for nothing. Aww. Husband number three. Oh, yes. 1919. She is a twice-widowed twice, twice widowed lady of 27 years old. 
damn 27 (laughs) no and have two dead husbands and a dead child heck yeah girl lady bluebeard charms harlan lewis so he he did purchase five thousand dollars life insurance policy kept up on the premiums too bad for him in and that was in june he purchased the five thousand dollars by late july he passed away from complications of gastroenteritis that sounds horrible poison (laughs) arsenic arsenic (laughs) lida is now calling herself anna mcafee and she decides to return to twin falls idaho she gets a job working at a cafe it's at the cafe she meets hubby number four heck yeah edward meyer and everyone loved lida and enjoyed her bright presence at the cafe that was 19 now it's 1920 edward and lida or anna she prefers get hitched and lida applied for a ten thousand dollar life insurance policy but she was denied oh and we're not really sure why and together lida and ed lived on a ranch in the snake river region september 7th 1920 edward lost his battle with the mysterious illness that the doctors were sure he was going to recover from. Hmm. Now, a relative of her first husband, who was Robert Dooley, he has a relative named Earl Dooley, who's a chemist in Twin Falls, Idaho, and he starts becoming suspicious about all these deaths around Lida. Oh, yeah. So he took samples from the Myers' home and found traces of arsenic, and he felt the Myers had been poisoned and convinced some tests to be done and arsenic was discovered Mm. lida got nervous and she fled to california and while in california idaho officials began the process of exhuming bodies and testing for arsenic all of which were positive how did she get the arsenic this is where the name flypaper lida comes from okay detectives found large quantities of rolled flypaper she would soak the flypaper in water to extract the arsenic Huh. Tricky lady. Let's do that. You want to do <laughs> For all your Tinder dates? <laughs> yes. Authorities found her in Honolulu, married. <gasps> so this is five. number five. She's married to Navy Petty Officer Paul Southard, or Southard, and they had met in Los Angeles. Hmm. He filed for divorce when she was arrested. <laughs> Good. According to a newspaper article, um, the reason was she's been convicted of a felony. And that was his only reason. That's fair. So apparently when she was first arrested, he declared his love for her and said he would stick by her through all of it. And then probably a few days later, he's like, nah, never yeah. mind. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Lida Southard was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 10 years in life, 10 years to life, in prison at the old Idaho State Penitentiary. Hmm. The end. Really? No. Oh, I was like, okay. <laughs> I got some old. That was lame. Prison, car- prison guard Jack Watkins became infatuated with Lida oh, and helped no. her plan her escape. Oh, no. Jack... He died of natural causes before uh, the plan was carried out. Jack. Dun, dun, dun. May 4th, 1931, she climbed a ladder and escaped over the prison walls. She had pried a bar from her cell window while her fellow prisoners sang and played 
phonograph music to drown out the grating noise. What? Some pals. Like No joke. She must have. She must have been a charmer in thinking. Or threatened them. Yeah. Could be. Poisoning their families. (laughs) I got some flypaper. Yep. A newspaper headline that I found read, Fantastic getaway of the smiling Mrs. Bluebeard that men can't resist. (laughs) Although blue-eyed Lida fed arsenic to five trusting men, the state believed two others risked everything to help her to freedom. God. Is she pretty? (laughs) Do you have a picture of her? Uh, She's she's a little, I don't know, back then maybe. Black and white photos too, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. Some articles I read said she was very pretty and popular. Other ones I read said she was homely. <laughs> so who knows? Although there was another man who also helped her escape, and he was an ex-convict named David Minton. He met her while they were in prison because I guess they had like the men's ward and the female ward kind of together. Mm-hmm. Um, he visited her two nights before her escape. And in earlier weeks, threw love letters to her over the prison wall. Oh, magic so vagina or what? Romantic. <laughs> it was. I went to a picture of the ladder. She's kind of like. It reminds me of um, like an amphitheater from, uh, not Braveheart. What's that one with Russell Crowe where they fight lions? Gladiator. Oh, like that because you just look it's like this huge wall and they're kind of down in this pit type thing. Yeah, There's this big ass ladder. <laughs> Can you imagine if it was that easy to escape? Just, oh, let me get a ladder. Girls, make some noise. (laughs) Strike up the band. (laughs) All righty. So she left him, though, shortly after her escape. But she did leave him alive. Oh, good. And he was pretty pissed that she left him. So when authorities found him, he let the authorities know where to find her. Ooh. Guess where she was? Where? Mail weed. <laughs> I was like, where's that? <laughs> I don't know where that is. You don't know where, where Mary did? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so they met because she was working for him as a housekeeper. And she had to disguise. Her brown hair was dyed black. Which is uh, so weird. That's not. Her two front teeth were replaced with gold ones. What? <laughs> I know. Will you do that, Mercy? What? I already did. Can you tell? Those are not gold. <laughs> They're a little yellow, though. <laughs> he was totally blindsided when the police cut up to her. He said she was a model wife. And he also had, I think he said the son was six years old. Oh, so they had so, a kid? Uh, he did. Oh. Yeah. And she, he did say she was a model wife, although she had been trying to talk him into life insurance. Weird. <laughs> but he hadn't given in. And she told police when they found her... I expected to be caught. Oh. Nice. Okay. Back to prison in Boise, she went. In 1933, there was an expose written about the prison that claimed Lida had received extraordinary favors. She had been allowed to visit her sick mother out of prison and had been left unguarded for five hours. She had been given automobile rides and permitted all-day outings at a nearby resort. And she had been allowed to attend picture shows in Boise. Picture shows? <laughs> what, what's that? Like an art show? Oh, maybe. Like an art gallery? Expose? Do they have those in Boise? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, George F. Rudd, who was the warden at the time, admitted he had allowed Lida certain liberties in exchange for BJ's. 
No, mm. it doesn't say that. Oh. But I'm sure that's what it was. Probably. He, and he insisted that she had not betrayed the trust that he placed in her. October 2nd, 1941, at the age of 48, Lida was given a six-month probationary release from the penitentiary, and a year and a half later, she received full pardon. Oh. And I have another little tidbit here, but I only saw this on historichors.com. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Are you on is. that site? I'm on historic choros. No. <laughs> no, that was bad. You that was really yes. bad. Yeah. Because it does sound like historic whores, like W H O R E S. This is H O O. I mean, what? H O R R O S. Like, I'm so scared. See, I was expecting you to be like, I'm not on historic whores. I'm on presenthores.com. But my story this week is this past but today. you you weren't born in 1919 are you calling me a whore karen is yes, that what's going on that's literally what i've been trying to say the last five minutes you're such a bitch <laughs> okay <laughs> i tried so hard to keep a straight face according to historic whores.com <laughs> whores whores no you're still saying whores so are you. Horror. Horrors. Horrors. Okay, now it sounds weird. <laughs> Let me finish. Okay, sorry. Lida moved to Oregon to live with a sister for a few years before going back to Ten Falls, where she married Hal Shaw, husband number seven. Jesus. He disappeared without a trace two years later. That's the only place I found that information, though, so I don't know how credible it is. February 5th, 1958. At the age of 65, she was going by the name Anna E. Shaw, and she died of a heart attack while carrying groceries on a city street in Salt Lake City, Utah. Whoa. And I have a fun little quote from local gossip in Idaho. She rigged herself outfit to kill, bought a long mink coat, a closed car. Everyone in town was talking about the way she ran around to dances. What? <laughs> Scandalous. As you were saying that, I just envisioned like Cruella Deville, <laughs> like her yeah. long jacket and like that cigarette, like with the long cigarette holder. Oh my god! How how is this bitch getting seven husbands and I can't get one? You gotta kill him, Karen. Well, I, I need to get one to kill. Um, get yourself a long mink coat. Close up that car. Go to them dances. Uh, do you and George have <laughs> life insurance? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. He does. I applied for it. Got it. And then was like, fuck you. I'm not going to pay my bill. Oh. Because, you know, it comes by paper. And I just can't get myself to write a check. So it lapsed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worth nothing. So if you die, <laughs> sucks for George. So be sure to donate to our Patreon page. <laughs> So Patreon. you can help uh, George out whenever Marcy dies. <laughs> she might be poisoned soon. Who knows? Ah, that was good. Thanks. I thought that was kind of a fun one. I am ready to finish the last half of my cider. Kick back and relax. You listen should. to some true crime. Oh, you're going to listen? Are you going to yeah. partake in telling the story? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, my sources are Thought Co. 
What? Thought. Oh, thought. T-H. O-U-G-H-T. Good. Co. So I'm assuming company. Wikipedia, ABC News 2020, and The Oprah Show. Whoa. Whoa. So. Sounds like a good one. I also did a female this week. (laughs) That's why I changed it because. That's so crazy. I know. And this one's such a good story. I remember hearing about it a long time ago. And it's. It's a good And we really haven't done any females. No, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's about damn time Mm -hmm. we talk about females here. Okay, you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. So this story is about Diane Downs. Downs. Oh, boy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy bitch. All right, so Elizabeth Diane Fredrickson was born on August 7th, 1955 in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, she alleges that her father molested her when she was a child, but that was... I can't believe a word she says, though. I know. She says that, and then she does say it more after all the murders, but then nothing ever came of it, you know? Yeah. So, um, the Fredricksons had very um, conservative views and values, and... Until the age of 14, Diane seemed to follow her parents' rules. Entering into her teen years, of course, she became more defiant. Um, She struggled to fit into the in crowd at school. Same. (laughs) Same. Um, So when she was 14, she decided to start going by Diane, which was her middle name instead of Elizabeth. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, she got rid of her childish hairstyle, which <sighs> she instead got a trendy, shorter, bleach blonde style. Oh, you go, sister. What Ooh. was her hair color before? Was it still blonde and she just went, like, more? No, I think it was, like, a light brown. Because huh. even... Oh, you can hear that candle. You can hear the candle. We have one of those wick, wick, wood, wick, wick, wood. Wood burning candle that wickers. Is that what I'm looking for? Crackles. Wickers. Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was cool. Um, But you see in all the interviews, there's a lot of footage of her, you guys. Like a lot of film footage, interviews. So I'm sure I'm not going to cover everything. So feel free to watch it because it's actually really crazy to watch and every interview she has like different color hair like some it's a little bit more red and some it's more blonde and then a little light like it's yeah she's nuts when you do something dumb from now on i'm gonna stay stop being so diane (laughs) right (laughs) why don't we say that Instead of Karen, it should be yeah. Diane. I have never understood the Karen thing. I haven't either. I think Diane's the way to go. Yeah. Diane, I mean, she even had that hairstyle. Mm-hmm. The let me talk to your manager hairstyle. <laughs> she has that. I don't. So my hair's beautiful. It is gorgeous. I'm Thank you. And jelly. All right. So she began wearing clothing that was more stylish and showed off her mature figure. Um, she also began a relationship with Stephen Downs, a 16-year-old boy who lived across the street. 
Her parents did not approve of Stephen or of the relationship, but that did little to sway Diane. Of course. And by the time she was 16, the relationship had become sexual. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Does she go to dances and wear a long mink coat, too? Probably. <laughs> so she graduated from Moon Valley High School. And after high school, Stephen joined the Navy. And Diane attended Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. What the hell do you study there? Uh, Jesus. The couple promised to remain faithful to each other, but Diane obviously failed at that. And after... She did? I know. With her trendy haircut and tight clothes? Yeah. <laughs> and her mature figure. Mm. <laughs> um, and after one year in college, she was expelled for being promiscuous. Whoa. Some assuming she tried to like sleep with her professors or something. I don't know. Or she slept with someone's boyfriend and they wouldn't complain about her to the dean. I don't. Would you be expelled for that? Well, at a religious college, like oh. think about Walla Walla University. You know, there's no drinking. That's true. I mean, if you get caught partying, if you get caught partying, I believe you get written up, and after you know, probably so many, you get kicked out. So Sounds you know, horrible. That's all I do. Probably can't sleep around either. All right. So their long-distance relationship seemed to survive. And mm. in November 1973... Wait, for time out. We talk about her being promiscuous. What was he doing at the naval base? Excuse me. I doubt he was being faithful. Yeah, probably Why not. Why does it just fall on poor Diane? Because she's a murderer. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if Stephen was a murderer, we would have found out. Um, so Stephen was now home from the army, and the two decided to get married. Um, obviously, the marriage was not going well. They started fighting about money problems and accusations of cheating and just all this stuff. And Diane would constantly leave Stephen to go to her parents. Uh, in 1974, despite their marriage problems... Um, they had their first child, Christy Ann. That's the answer to all marriage problems. Yep. Just throw in a kid. Six months later, Diane joined the Navy. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Just wait. But she returned home after three weeks of basic training because of severe blisters. Oh, yeah. Those will get you. Yeah, I feel like that would be you. <laughs> yeah, right. I wouldn't even sign up. What the hell? <laughs> Diane later said her real reason for getting out of the Navy was because Stephen was neglecting Christiane. So having a child did not seem to help the marriage. But Shocker. Diane enjoyed being pregnant. Sounds horrible. And in 1976, their second child, Cheryl Lynn, was born. Um, so raising two children was enough for Steven, so he had little snip, snip, snip done. Oh! Uh -huh. George? <laughs> <laughs> this did not stop Diane from getting pregnant again. Oh, did the vasectomy reverse itself? I guess so. But this time, she decided to have an abortion. She was going oh. to name that child Carrie, but she had an abortion. Well, that's good, because then Carrie would have grown up and dumped blood on everybody at prom. Probably. 
1978, they moved to Arizona. Um, there, Diane began having affairs with some of her male coworkers, and she became pregnant. In December 1979, Stephen Daniel, which they call him Danny, was born, and Stephen accepted the child even though he knew he was not the father. Oh, man. I know. And to name him after you, and you know you're not the father, like... Was she trying to get pregnant? She loves being pregnant. She's freaking weird. I don't know. I don't get it. So the last... uh, What? The marriage... (laughs) Lasted about a year more until 1980 when Stephen decided to get divorced. Diane spent the next few years moving in and out with different men, having affairs with married men, Hmm. and even still trying to get back with Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) To help support herself, she decided to become a surrogate mother, Um, but she failed two uh, psychiatric exams. So one of the tests showed that Diane was very intelligent, but also a psychopath. (laughs) Um, A fact that she actually found very funny and would brag about to her friends. I would brag about that to you. Like, guess what? I'm super intelligent. I'm a psychopath. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, hopefully you don't kill your children. The jury's still out on that. No, they're fine. Relax. Hopefully. Uh, In 1981, Diane got a full-time job as a postal carrier for the U.S. Post Office. The children often stayed with Diane's parents, Stephen, or with Danny's father, whoever that is. Oh, my. So he's in the picture. I guess so. They never say who he is. Uh, When the children stayed with Diane, neighbors voiced concerns about their care. The children were often seen poorly dressed for the weather and at times hungry, asking for food. If Diane was unable to find a setter, she would still go to work and leaving the six-year-old, Christy, in charge. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. I know. No, that's terrible. Yeah, you must be a psychopath because you just have to not care. Yeah. Not have any concern for their well-being. I God, six years old. That's a year older than Marshall. Taking care of babies. Yeah. Nope. So in the latter part of 1981, Diane was finally accepted into a surrogate program to which she was paid $10,000 after successfully carrying a child to term. That's it? Well, this was in the 80s. I didn't do the math how you did. Money than that to be pregnant with someone else's oh, child. Oh, God. She loved being pregnant, though. I guess if you like it. It sounds horrible. Ugh. She must have had easy pregnancies. You know what? I bet she likes the attention. Probably. After the experience, she decided to open up her own surrogate clinic. But no. obviously that <laughs> failed very quickly. <laughs> um, it was during this time that Diane met coworker Robert Knickerbocker. They called him Nick. Oh, nice. The man of her dreams. Their relationship was um, all-consuming, and Diane wanted Nick to leave his wife. Oh, he's married. Mm -hmm. 
feeling suffocated by her demands and still in love with his wife. Oh, Nick, nobody's going to have an affair with this crazy lady. I'm like, God, douchebag. They all are. Ugh. Uh, Nick ended the relationship with Diane. So Diane was devastated. Devastated. Jesus. And she moved to Oregon, but had not fully accepted that the relationship with Nick was over. She continued to write him and had one final visit in April 1983, at which time Nick completely rejected her, and he told her that the relationship was completely over and he had no interest in her, and he also didn't want to be a daddy to her children. Also, like, get the hint. Mm -hmm. Don't ever chase after a guy. Um, don't sleep with married win- men. Yeah. Married men, don't sleep with other women that aren't your wife. Amen. Keep it in your pants. On May 19th, 1983, around 10 p.m., Diane is 28 at this time. She pulls over on the side of a quiet road near Springfield, Oregon, and shot her three kids. She then shot herself in the arm and drove slowly to the Mackenzie Willamette Hospital. Willamette. God, why can't I say that one? Willamette. <sighs> oh, yeah, she was like, damn Oregon. it. Oh, either are you. <laughs> um, the hospital staff found Cheryl, who was seven. She was dead. Oh. Danny, who was three, was paralyzed from the waist down. And Christy, who was eight, had suffered a stroke after she was shot. Diane told the doctors and the police that the children were shot by a bushy-haired man who flagged her down on the road, then tried to hijack her car. When she refused, the man began shooting her children. Mm. So detectives found Diane's story very suspicious. Really? And her reactions to police questioning and to hearing the conditions of her two children were very inappropriate and odd. Um, She voiced... That she was very surprised that a bullet had hit Danny's spine and not his heart. Uh. Yeah. She seemed more concerned about getting in touch with Nick rather oh than informing the children's fathers or even asking about their conditions. Oh. She never once asked how they were doing. And obviously, she was talking so much, which you'll see if you ever watch the interviews. It's so disturbing. She talks just about herself. It's so bad, Um, especially for someone who just suffered a traumatic event. So if, you know, she says that she was flagged down by this random guy and he threatened her and then shot her kids and shot Mm -hmm. her, normally a mother would be freaking out. distraught, yeah. Yeah. There was no tears, nothing And I understand we all, like, handle traumatic situations differently, but she never even asked how her kids were at all. So the the ER doctor was actually in one of the videos I watched, and he said that he went to go find her to talk about the two kids who were still alive. And all she said was, her car is ruined because of the blood. That's all she said. She didn't say anything about her kids. So, 
detectives had a good idea Mm -hmm. and they asked Diane to do a reenactment of the crime scene. They actually filmed this and it is the most disturbing thing to watch. So she, her arm is in a little like Sling. sling thing and she's, you know, going over what happened that night and she's laughing the whole time. She's making jokes acting like it's no big deal. She accidentally, like, hit her arm on the door and was like, ow, this hurts more than it did when I got shot. Even though she fucking shot herself. Like, she is nuts. She was laughing the whole entire time. Ew. So disturbing. Um, So Diane's stories of the events um, obviously failed to hold up under forensic investigation. So the police finally went to her place to do a search. Um, They also searched her car, and the blood splatters in the car did not match her version of what occurred. And gunpowder residue was not found where it should have been found. Mm. So they were saying that they found blood on the outside of the car, Mm. which is weird if the kids are inside... And you're saying a man pointed, you know, like, just shot them while they were sleeping in the car. And you know what? Why even bother with your dumbass story? The kid, Two of the kids are still alive. Exactly. And I'm sure they're going to sing. Well, and she kept saying that, too, in an interview. She goes, if I did it, wouldn't you think I'd make sure they were dead so they didn't say anything? No. It was horrible. She's fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, Diane's arm was broken when she shot herself. Um, and when she was driving to the hospital, she wrapped her own arm and didn't bother to tie anything, you know, like a tourniquet, like for her kids, nothing. While she was driving to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, like, I'm not a mother. I don't have kids. But I... Would always put someone else first, well, especially you're, you're like not if a psychopath, right? <laughs> but especially if I was just shot in the arm, and they're shot in like the chest and back and stuff. Like, wouldn't you want to <laughs> try to stop the bleeding? You would think. Uh, and why would you drive slow enough to bandage your own arm? Like you drive like a motherfucker into yeah. the hospital. Um, and in an interview, she kept saying how. Her kids were the lucky ones. And one of the interviewers was like, how are your kids the lucky ones when they were shot horribly and you were shot in the arm? And she goes, well, if I was shot how they were shot, no one would have driven us to the hospital. Like, she's so How does that even make them lucky, though? I don't know. Dumb bitch. It was also discovered that she failed to admit owning a 22 caliber handgun, oh. which was the same gun used at the crime scene. Of course it was. And then Diane's diary was found during a police search to help piece together the motive she would have for shooting her children. In her diary, she wrote obsessively about the love of her life, Robert Knickerbocker. Oh, man. And... um. She wrote about how he didn't want to raise her kids. He didn't want to be a stepfather. 
So the best thing she could do is get rid of the kids then. Oh, my gosh. And then I wonder if his wife knows about her. Because, I mean, if she didn't know before. Oh, she knows now. She's going to know now. Yep. Explain that one, buddy. There was also um, a unicorn found, which Diane had purchased just days before the children were shot. Each of their names had been inscribed on it, um, almost as if it was a shrine to their memory. A man came forward who said he had to pass Diane on the road on the night of the shooting because she was driving so slow, which obviously this conflicted with Diane's story to the police when she said she sped in terror to the hospital. Oh, my God. She was driving an estimated speed of five to seven (gasps) miles per hour. And did she have an explanation as to why she was out there? Wasn't it kind of in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, she was driving home from a friend's house and apparently wanted to take the back roads. Was there even a friend to corroborate that? I I think so, because, yeah, because even, yeah, in all the videos I watched, that's what they said. Oh. So, I'm sure. Mm. All right, but the most telling evidence was that of her surviving daughter, Christy, who for months was unable to speak due to the stroke she had suffered from the attack. So during the times that Diane would visit her in the hospital, Chrissy would show signs of fear and her vital signs would spike. When she was able to speak, she eventually told the prosecutors that there was no stranger and that it was her mother that did the shooting. Mm, When you were talking about how scared she was, Mm -hmm. her mom came over, so neighbors and my parents, their, well, it was the ladies' son, not her husband's. They got married after she had, and she'd already had this kid. Anyways, they had horses, and they had an injured one, and they found out that he had been going in and torturing <gasps> the injured horse. So the stepdad and the son both went into the pen where they had the injured horse, and the horse was always fine when the stepdad was in there, but when the uh, horse saw the stepson, he just freaked out and got so scared. That's so and sad. And they realized that that was why, because he was torturing that's horrible. Yeah, he got sent away for a little while. Good. Mm-hmm. So Christy also remembers the song Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran was playing in the car when they all got shot. Oh. I know. And they played it on, on one of the specials I watched. Why? Just to, you know, Hungry make you like the wolf. feel like you're there, I guess. So just prior to her arrest, Diane, likely feeling that the investigation was closing in on her, met with the detectives to tell them something she had forgotten. Oh. Of course, right? Yeah. So she told them that the shooter was someone she may have known because he called her by her name. They obviously didn't believe her (laughs) and instead suggested that she did it because her lover did not want her children mm. more plausible on february 28 1984 after nine months of intense investigation diane downs now pregnant what was arrested and charged with murder attempted murder and criminal assault of her three kids she's pregnant <laughs> yep um so during the months before diane went to trial So during all the investigation, she spent a lot of time 
on air being interviewed by reporters. Oh, my gosh. Attention. She wants attention. That's why she likes being pregnant. And her goal, obviously, was to try to gain everyone's sympathy for her. But honestly, she just kept digging her own grave. (laughs) Because the interviewers would keep asking, you know, real questions and... Her answers, it was all about her and how her kids are so lucky and she's not the lucky one and just all this shit. And, of course, everyone could see right through her, you know. So the trial began on March, or sorry, not March, May 10th, 1984, and it lasted six weeks. Prosecutor Fred Hugie, H-U-G-I? Lugie. There's no L. (laughs) (laughs) Who? Hugie? I don't know. Works. Fred. So, (laughs) Prosecutor Fred (laughs) laid out the state's case, which showed motive, forensic evidence, witness, obviously, because of her daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the defense side, Diane's lawyer admitted that his client was obsessed with Nick, and he... Also said that her childhood um, involved incestuous relationship. Mm. So they try to like blame. So this is where like the mm. father molesting mm-hmm. her came back up. So they blamed her father um, doing inappropriate things to her as a child, which I'm, you know, I. She probably did inappropriate things to him. <laughs> Probably. But they said that because of that is the reason why she was so, like, promiscuous and all her behavior was inappropriate. But, I mean, I can kind of see that. You know, I was molested at a young age and I was a slut and I partied and did drugs and, you know what I mean? Like, a traumatic... kill three children or attempt to kill three children. No. But a traumatic event can cause you to do dumb things i'm not i'm not justifying her yeah killing them but i'm saying her being promiscuous and yeah the jury found diane guilty on all charges on june 17th 1984 she was sentenced to life in prison plus 50 years at oregon women's correctional center in salem um psychiatrist diagnosed her with histrionic and antisocial personality disorders which I googled because I had no idea what histrionic personality. You're a psychologist major, right? Or is this second year? You learned about this in the second year, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it means dramatic um, or theatrical, which would make sense because she wanted all the attention. Mm-hmm-hmm. So the judge made it clear that he did not intend for her to ever be free again. Oh, good. In 1986, the prosecutor. Fred, him and his wife adopted Christy and Danny Downs. Oh, I know. That's so that's sweet. So sweet. Oh, I guess give me chills. Diane gave birth to her fourth child, who she named Amy, in July 1984. She shouldn't even got the right to name her. Yeah. Like, as soon as that I baby mean, pops out, take it away. There's no. I mean, they basically did, but she yeah. just. So the baby was removed. Um, from Diane and was later adopted and given her new name Rebecca Babcock which she went by Becky in later years uh, when Becky was an adult she was interviewed on the Oprah Winfrey show on October 22nd 
2010 and on ABC's 2020 on July 1st, 2011. What um, did they interview her about? So it was kind of like the whole finding out my biological mom is a serial killer type of thing. Um, she spoke about it. She said her adopted parents were amazing, so loving. She had a great childhood. And then at about eight is when she started asking questions, like, because she knew she was adopted. They did, oh. they never kept it a secret from her. So then um, her adopted mom said, you know, there's some things about, you know, your biological mom, like you are more than welcome to learn about it when you're an adult, you know, when you're yeah. older. Like she was trying to protect oh. her. Um and she found out uh, on accident somehow. And then she really, like, as she grew up, she kind of did some more, like, digging yeah. about who Diane was and stuff. And then she kind of spiraled. Um, even though she had a loving family, I think she was just kind of feeling lost and knowing, you know, your biological mom is a killer and, you know, you have all these half siblings that either are dead or you don't, you know, you don't mm-hmm. know who they are. Um, and she kind of fought with that battle of, will I ever be like my mom? Like, am I, oh, you know, like that kind of. Yeah. So she did spiral a lot. And then she actually got pregnant when she was 17 and she gave up that child for adoption. Oh. And so she was, her adopted mom suggested her um, to go to counseling after, yeah. you know. And she, I don't think she did at first. Um, and then she reached out to Diane. She wrote uh. her a letter. And she thought maybe they could connect because... Diane gave her up for adoption, and she just had to give Why her child up. This is a person that's not capable of human connection. Right. Well, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I uh, guess. Unless doesn't... it's going to benefit her. Right. She's not. So she writes to her, and she said at first it was great. Like, the letters were totally normal. They were kind of getting to know each other. And then um, Becky asked who her dad is, her biological dad. And that's when Diane started getting so weird in letters and just not – she never answered her. about. Uh-huh. So she doesn't know who her biological dad is. Um, and then she started coming up with all these conspiracy theories saying that they're keeping her in prison because um, they're keeping her safe. And bought, like, all this stuff. Like, she always held on to her innocence. She's never admitted anything, Hmm. even to this day. And then she would start signing the letters, love, mom, and dad. Ew. Yeah, and Becky finally was just like, okay, this is enough. I don't want any contact with you. So she said that. She wrote her back and said, do not contact me again. Like, thank you, but no thank you type of a thing. Um, and so then Diane wrote her back saying that people are after Becky and going to kill her and like all just went nuts. Yeah, it was bad. Um, but then when Becky was on the shows, 
she said she finally wanted to tell her story because now she's in a really good healthy place in her Mm. life and kind of went through that like self journey and stuff and found out who she is and she thought Diane could help her but obviously that didn't but I think it kind of gave her some answers yeah she probably found out no she's not like her mom right yeah and that she doesn't want a relationship with her Mm -hmm. you know all right so on July 11th 1987 Diane managed to escape oh my god I know our stories are (laughs) we did not plan this um so she escaped and she was recaptured in Salem 10 days later Mm. she received an additional five-year sentence for the escape which she already had life so whatever after her recapture she was actually transferred to New Jersey um because the prosecutor Fred was genuinely worried. Oh, she's going to come after the kids? Yeah. Mm. So the judge agreed, and he decided to send Diane away. Um, So then in 1994, after serving 10 years, um, then she was transferred to California. I think they were changing the prison in new jersey from women's to men or something okay so they transferred her again um while in prison she earned her associate's degree in general studies oh good for her yeah dumbass (laughs) and then in 2010 oh then she was located in uh valley state prison in california um, she was eligible for parole in 2008. What? But obviously, they were like, no. <laughs> and then she kept changing her story. She kept saying, obviously, that she never did it. But then she kept changing her story that now there were drug dealers who shot her. And now um, corrupt policemen were also involved. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. Lady, just keep talking. Right. So she was denied. And then in December 2010, she received a second parole hearing, and obviously, again, she was denied. Um, I think the judges were waiting for her to take some responsibility. Oh, yeah. She kept having a story. It was someone else's fault. Of course it was. Yep. Always someone else's fault. So then she was denied again, and under a new Oregon law, she will not face a parole board again until 2020 (gasps) this year. Do we know when this year? No. Ooh. I know. I doubt, honestly, she will, but. How old is she now? Oh, she was born I did when? the math. Uh, 55. So she was. So 60 something? Mm. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So our good, dear gal pal, author, Anne Rule, mm. she wrote a book called Small Sacrifices, um, which is about Diane Downs. And the book documents um, accounts by friends and neighbors and also her surviving daughter, Christy. Mm. And also a made-for-TV movie called Small Sacrifices, uh, aired on ABC in 1989, starring Farrah Fawcett oh, as Diane. Oh, I know. Nice. We thought should be our next Hello. movie. Movie night. I bet it's fantastic. I heard it's 
really good. I heard they actually did a really good job uh-huh. on it. Um, and Becky, when she was being interviewed, she said she saw it. And she just was kind of disgusted just thinking that that was the person who gave birth to her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like her whole just life story about being promiscuous and well really and she only got pregnant to get sympathy right yeah jury it wasn't even like because i want a baby right so disgusting so i'll definitely have to watch that that's my story good job karen thank you i do have a quick i i saw this and i was (laughs) laughing (laughs) because I was like, this is something that Marcy would do if Marcy was ever a criminal. What do you mean, if? Uh, I am a criminal. Are you? Criminally good looking. Insane. (laughs) (laughs) So this is in Germany. And um, police had an easy time tracking down a petty thief because he forgot his own son at the scene of the crime. (laughs) They were Indian Marshall. Yeah. So he was at um, some supermarket and he stole some stuff and he got got so wrapped up in the crime. Yeah. Because the alarm (laughs) went off. Oh, no. And so he just left. And with his son in the store, like, yeah, in the the store, eight year old son. (laughs) So they definitely had an easy time getting him. I was like, oh, my God, that would be something Marcy would do. Crazy asses. I know. Well, you guys should rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder of Ages. Yeah, enjoy us wherever you are listening to your podcasts. Yeah. That's pretty cool. We love you guys. Thank you. I think we can list all of our fans on one hand. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Oh, we do need Keep it up. to Keep it thank up. Carly because Carly has been a strong fan since day one. Yes. Yeah. My future favorite sister in law. Yep. There you go. I say favorite because she's, I think, the only one that listens. Probably. <laughs> Awkward. All right. Close this out. To all you perverse, notorious wastes, we'll meet you there. <laughs>